0: And thank you for joining us for another episode of Jackman Radio. Um, So psyched tonight. We have a really awesome and special guest here in studio, our second in-studio interview for our new studio space here in Milford. Uh, He's an author. He's a whistleblower. He's a former CIA officer. Uh, badass. He's a, he's also a <laughs> Greek citizen. He's he's a, he's just overall a great guy. He's a patriot, and he's one of my heroes, uh, John Kiriakou. Thank you very much, John. Thanks for being here, man. This is pleasure's mine. This we'll is, have fun. This is awesome, man. Yeah, we we had John on the podcast uh kind of when we were just getting started in 2015, mm-hmm. and um, he had just got out of prison. Like I said, he's a badass. He's done he's done some time. <laughs> he's done some hard time, and um. I found con- found his contact info on I found your info on Twitter and I said that's a guy I need to talk to is that how we met? Yeah, I you. I couldn't uh, remember you how You slid it into was. his DMs. I didn't slide into his DMs, or okay. I didn't. We didn't have OnlyFans yet back then either. Okay, but, um, okay. It was- no, it was it, you just got out of prison, and I think Abby Martin had done some stuff yeah, about you right. before you were going to prison. Yes. and leading up to it. And I think
1: Abby was the last person. She was the next to the last person I talked to before I left.
0: Yeah, so I seen Abby's work about your case, which blew my mind. I was like blown away by it, and. Um, I followed your case, and then you got out of prison, and I'm like, "That, that is a guy I really want to talk to and have on my podcast, and just hear his story." Oh, thank you. So, yeah, I reached out to you, and you were, you know, gracious and uh, generous, and said, "Absolutely, I'll come on your podcast." See, and, and we've been friends ever and since. And We've been friends ever since, and we've stayed in touch. And uh, anytime we I get down to DC, I look John up, and we went to IHOP one time, yep. and then uh, we last did. time in 2018, we went to somewhere I think in Clarendon, or yep, we went to, um, to
1: uh,
0: Whitlow's on Wilson. Yep, that's it. And uh, had dinner there and caught up, but um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's amazing how life works. So here we are in 2021, and we got the podcast is still going, and um, so yeah, we just I wanted to have you on and, and just hear how you're doing, and um, obviously you've been in the news kind of lately with this, the the pardon stuff with Trump, and yeah, you know, if you just want to bring people up to speed, how you are and what's been going on. Sure. Uh, how
1: am I? I guess I'm OK. You know, a friend of mine said to me today that he's always feeling sorry for himself. And then something smacks him in the face and he realizes how so many people have worse lives than he has. So many people are worse off. And sometimes I feel that way. I feel sorry for myself a little bit like, oh, woe is me. I, I'm 56 years old. I should be making more money. This isn't the way things were supposed to work out. And I think, eh, no, you know what? Things are actually pretty good. I shouldn't have any complaints.
0: Yeah, yeah, it, that's that's how I feel. I I, I kind of shock people sometimes when they want to do a what was me, and I say you could live in a bombed out crater in Syria. Exactly, right <laughs> yeah. exactly right. You, you could you yes. could be, be literally living there right now, and that's your life.
1: So. You know, when I was when I was living in Pakistan, um, I would leave I would leave work uh, after sundown, and the American embassy is in a diplomatic quarter that's sort of walled off from the rest of the city. Just as you leave the diplomatic quarter, there's kind of an urban forest there. And every single night as I was leaving, I would see dozens of women gathering twigs to use as firewood. And I remember thinking there, but for the grace of God, go I, you know,
2: Mm.
1: I don't have to search for twigs to make firewood to cook my meals every night, you know, Right. So, exactly. I have no complaints.
0: Yeah. What What, what year were you in Pakistan? Uh, 2002. I was there 02? for
1: six or seven months.
0: Wow. And, and yeah, just before recording, I mentioned uh, uh, the, the terrorist or the terrorist collaborator, Omar Saeed Sheikh, who was right. recently released yes. from prison. Yes, he was. Who was involved in the Daniel Pearl kidnapping. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the guy that essentially got Daniel Pearl's trust and lured him in. Yes. Because he Daniel Pearl had a child, I think, very Soon before mm-hmm. go, before investigating terror finance in Pakistan, That's and right. Saeed Sheikh also had a child, a young child. So he used that to kind of gain his trust um, and lured him over there, and of course was kidnapped and then ultimately beheaded. Yes. Um, and you were just saying you actually um, you're familiar with that, of course. And yeah. You, you spoke with Daniel Pearl. The yeah. Day he was Daniel killed?
1: Daniel Pearl came into the embassy the day that he was killed, and um, he uh, he just wanted to check in, and I met with him along with a, a former colleague of mine who was on loan to the FBI from the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey. Detective Tom McHale, um, Tom was tough with Daniel Pearl. Don't do it. Don't go. This is a setup.
0: Don't look into the ISI.
1: Yeah, don't do it. He was adamant about it, you know, and I remember having to leave for a meeting. So I didn't stay for the whole for the whole time that, that Tom and Daniel Pearl were speaking. But as I was walking out, I said, I agree with him. I don't think I would do it. And he said, no, no, I've been working on this for six months. We've developed a relationship via email. And, um, and he went to the meeting and nobody ever saw him again. Wow. In fact, they found his head in a different part of the city than they found his body. Oh. That's how bad it was. Now, the odd thing about this is that later on, three, four years later, uh, Khaled Sheikh Mohammed took credit for killing uh, right, Daniel Pearl right I never believed that it was it, KSM. It wasn't him. no no I never believed that he didn't have a lot of the details right and I remember him saying that you can see when the arm enters the the frame um, to to cut Daniel Pearl's head off he said that's my arm nobody has an arm as hairy as mine And I was like, you know, every Pakistani guy has an arm as hairy as yours. Right. So that could be anybody's arm. He was adamant that it was him. It wasn't him. He wasn't the one that killed Daniel Perlman. Right. It wasn't KSM.
0: No. Um, but but this guy Omar Sayyid Sheikh, I think it's come to light. Certainly, the Indians have accused him of being a triple oh, double, a yeah. triple agent. But he he, right. he could have very well been um, ISI and and some kind of MI five well, or MI six kind of asset. I don't
1: I don't think that he was associated with Western intelligence. But I believed strongly at the time, and I still believe that he was an ISI. He could asset. have been a dangle towards. Oh, and that that would be likely. He would be a dangle. But you know the thing about ISI, I've maintained this from the very beginning. There really are two ISIs, right? There's, there's the group that I worked with who were all educated at Sandhurst in the U.K. They speak English as well as you and I do. They all pursued careers in the military. And then there's the other ISI. These are the guys with the long, bushy beards who created the Taliban, who give you the stink eye when you're walking you know, down the hall at ISI headquarters, Those are the guys that would just as soon kill you and chop off your head and kill your family and then go home and have dinner with their wife and kids.
0: Right. It's because that's their that's they view this. I'm doing this from my side. Yeah. So. So that's right. So the delegation that was meeting with like Porter Goss the week of 9-11 included an ISI general. You wouldn't be surprised if that guy was like a hardcore Fanatic or believer in, in in bin Laden's cause or
1: I would have beca- been surprised by that because because those those ISI people generally stay away from exposure to Western intelligence. So the, the the ISI officers that they put in front of us are those Westernized ones. Right. Educated. Yeah. Yeah. More pro
0: Western yeah. and. Yeah, but, but it's interesting, though. I bring it up because he was just released from prison and yeah. he was accused of um, facilitating a wire transfer to the to Muhammad Atta, mm-hmm. one of the lead hijackers mm-hmm. in 9-11. And, that's and now, a, now he's out of jail. It's we, like we've I, never
1: gotten to the bottom of that story. We've yeah, never I, gotten I to the bottom so. of of whether or not there was ISI involvement in 9-11, whether or not there was ISI involvement with the hijacker, hijackers or with the groups that were sponsoring or supporting the hijackers. Right. You know, it's funny, there are a lot of things that, I feel our government just decided we're best left unknown.
0: Just to gloss over or just not bother looking at yeah. Just, yeah. We've got
1: an official story. We know who the hijackers were, they're bad people, and we're gonna move on. Yeah. Well, I'd like to know exactly what the Saudi government was doing.
0: Absolutely. Well, that, that's I mean, it. You you gotta listen yeah. to Bob what Bob Graham discovered in Florida. Exactly. What Bob Graham,
1: Graham Bob Graham would know. Yeah. And if Bob Graham says something definitively, I believe Bob Graham. Yeah, he's not lying. That's right.
0: He's been saying this stuff for a long time. A long almost the whole time. Well, was he was he chair of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee? He was chairman
1: of the Senate Intelligence Inte- okay, Committee. Oh, oh yeah. he well, there co-chaired go. the, yeah. the in- O2
0: inquiry with Porter Goss. Yes, he did. He was with the co-chair along with Porter Goss. Right. Porter but Goss was, was the chairman of the
1: of the House Intelligence right, Committee at the right. time. Right,
0: right. Yeah. So, I mean, and he met with the ISI chief, which mm-hmm. is interesting. Biden met with him, too, mm-hmm. and Condoleezza Rice. Yep. Um and he he's since passed. His name is Mahmoud Ahmed. He's since yeah. passed away. Um, but Omar Saeed Sheikh's a free man. So what does that guy know? Like, I mean, yeah, and clearly involved in the Pearl kidnapping and clearly. execution.
1: And it was multiple courts in Pakistan that ordered his release. I right. mean, this this yeah. went all the way up to the Supreme Court. And they said, no, right. no,
0: you have to release him. I don't know. I, we're coming up on 20 years since 9-11. I, I still think that's one of the one of the threads that, that certainly there's lawsuits that are still going on that involve yes. Saudis. And, and I think that that one... You know, begs for an explanation. And
1: there are so many other tangents that we can get off on uh, related to 9-11. And yeah. I, th- I think that some of them are so crazy that they just seek to set us back.
0: Absolutely. Like,
1: for example, I have a friend who called me the other day. Like, it was a revelation to him. He wants to talk about the dancing Israelis. Have you heard of the dancing Israelis? I said, yes. There's nothing to it. And I can tell you why they were dancing. Because they knew that we would attack Arabs. And kill Arabs. And so nine eleven was a happy day for them. Because they were dancing does not mean that they planned nine eleven.
0: No, and, and they said to the officer, uh, your problems are our problems. Our problems are exactly. your problems. So I, I've I've heard I have heard of the dancing Israelis. I know yeah. the explanation. Um but it is interesting. They did flee the country with they had thousands of dollars in cash in yeah. a yeah. sock. Well, well, I would too. My, I mean they're my, I would, too. My, my issue with them, though, is they were set up in place uh, across from lower Manhattan, mm-hmm. the Doric Tower, before the first strike. Yeah. So that would lead one to believe prior knowledge. Did they know Not something operational well, planning, but maybe they caught wind of the plot. Or
1: it could be a coincidence. Or, or they could, could have business there. This is what I mean. It's easy to get off on these tangents and to ignore the real evidence like... What the Saudi royal family was doing. Oh, yeah. Like why oh, Prince absolutely. Bandar's wife was transferring money yeah, to Prince Los Angeles. Haifa. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Absolutely. Oh, they, exactly. They definitely. I mean, two of the hijackers are living with a Saudi informant out in California. Exactly. You know, like, they, or they were renting. He but, set them but up. But remember, we That's have a special
1: one, relationship with the Saudis, so we don't want to spit that up on any yeah, toes. The kingdom. Yeah, I mean, you we, know, didn't,
0: we didn't do anything with the Khashoggi killing at the no, embassy. No, no, I mean, no. We his just, uncle was we a famous him a arms dealer that... Uh, Adnan Khashoggi. Adnan. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing with the Israelis, they were detained for like 70 days and then they were quietly shipped back to Israel. You know, it's like
1: it's like the bin Laden family. You remember in in the hours after the 9-11 attacks began, uh, we had a nationwide lockdown on air travel. Right. So everything was shut down.
0: Nobody could fly
1: except the bin Laden family. Now, the bin Ladens, the old man uh, bin Laden, uh, Abdurrahman, had one hundred and ten sons. Okay, so this is a big family. He's
0: spreading his seed and his construction money all over the very place. widely, very widely,
1: yeah. and it's one of the most important families in Saudi Arabia. Certainly, the most important construction family in the Middle East. They're worth billions and billions of dollars. So they've got houses, as you might imagine, in Orlando and Beverly Hills Florida, and Manhattan, all over, all all over, over the place. And Texas. All of them are pro-American, right? They're married to Americans. They send their kids to school in the United States. Well, the Bush family and the Bin Laden family went back a ways a couple of generations. And so as soon as that nationwide lockdown took place, we got word from the White House that they're going to allow one flight and it's going to be just for the Bin Laden family. And so what we did was we we got all of the Bin Ladens who were in the United States, and it was several dozen of them, put them all on this 737 and said, just get out. And that was it.
0: They didn't really question them too deeply. But but it's been said, well, I haven't talked to Osama in like 10 years. And that was I the problem. And that's, that may very well be true. But I'll tell
1: you where they helped us the most. Um, many of them immediately, as soon as the planes began hitting the buildings, many of them began calling and offering to help. What can I do? And we told them, you can give us your DNA. Because if we kill him, and we really blow him to bits, and all that's left is, you know, a piece of a shoulder. We want to be able to use a DNA match. Wow! And so they <laughs> they volunteered.
0: Right. Yeah. And, and yeah, like you said, there were a lot of a lot of, uh, you know, he had a lot of siblings, and there were a lot of kids, and uh, his brother was actually doing a Carlisle group meeting with with Bush Senior. See. At a hotel in D.C. that day. See. Which is a very interesting coincidence whatever you want to call it there was a whole type.
1: group of them at disney world that we had to figure out where they were and pull right. them off the rides and you know get,
0: get them out. can you imagine well the, also too with the saudi <laughs> connection there's that family uh, in florida in uh, like the sarasota area that vacated like 10 days before the attacks and they left food in the fridge they left the car in the driveway and they fled back to saudi arabia and the hijackers were coming and visiting there's there's cctv footage of, of yeah That's never been followed up See, there are a lot of questions. So you mentioned Saudi Arabia. Yeah, Mm -hmm. two decades later, there still hasn't been um, accountability. And then, you you know, uh, it goes back to Bush, but certainly when Obama was in there, he told the family members, yes, we're going to look into this. There's going to be accountability. And there was. And he never did anything. Trump did the same thing, and now it's the kick the can to Biden. Mm -hmm. So, which brings us to Afghanistan, 20 years. Right. Do you really think we're going to be out of there by September? We're going to start leaving in September.
1: I... I, uh... I think we probably will start drawing down, but I can't imagine that we fully leave. I, I just can't imagine. And, you know, here's a funny thing, too. Donald Trump said that, that he would pull us out by May 1st, okay? Well, then there's this grand announcement by the Biden administration, we're going to be out by September 11th, and it's seen as this great victory for Biden foreign policy. Well, whether you like... Donald Trump or not he promised to get us out earlier right. sooner yeah and people have
0: already forgotten the, oh this. yeah and that's the thing like if Trump had gotten reelected and we did leave under Trump I would have been publicly lauding that I, and I if agree Biden with you. does it I will publicly laud that as well I agree with you so the only thing I'm concerned about is that at the end of the day we're going to be
1: unwilling to give up this state-of-the-art base that we have at Bagram now I mean this is yeah. like one of the great bases in the world We've spent billions of dollars there fortifying. I don't know if you, you guys have ever been to Afghanistan. Have I you have, no, no, there? I have. It's, I have, I have it's, we it's, have
0: friends in the military who have been there. Oh, it's certainly. quite
1: an impressive complex. You've been to Bagram? Yeah, several times, and it's. Uh, I mean, you you want for nothing there. Nothing. You got a Burger King there. There's a burger. Well, there is a Burger King <laughs> got, there. Hey,
0: if, if they got Chick Fil A, I'm there. No, I didn't see Not a Chick Fil A. There's no. a
1: Pizza Hut. There's a Burger King. But the but the cafeteria f- or the mess hall food is so delicious <sighs> that you don't even think to go to the Pizza Hut or the Burger
0: King. Right. You know, you forget that you're in Afghanistan, where there's you know lithium and oil and poppy right, seeds. Right. 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 You know.
1: I'll tell you a funny story. Speaking of poppy seeds, <laughs> so the last time I went to Afghanistan. Uh, I was the chief investigator in the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, working for John Kerry when he was the chairman. And um, he asked me to do a study on the poppy trade, the heroin poppy trade. Well, Afghanistan produces 93 percent of the world's heroin poppy. The reason why, as a government, we don't really care is because almost all of that heroin goes to Iran and Russia almost none of it makes its way to the United States. Our heroin comes from central and south America. So this is a Russian Iranian problem that we just don't care about. Still, 93% of the world's heroin demands an investigation. Wasn't
0: the, te- the Taliban weren't they burning it? Weren't they weren't they going after the You know the who year were-
1: before 9/11 they produced zero heroin poppy pretty impressive. Now, after we we started attacking, then they start planning uh heroin poppy production again because the money is so good. But anyway, I decide I'm going to go down into the Netherland in southern Afghanistan. I went to Lashkar Gah, which was the capital of Helmand province, and I went to Kandahar, the capital of of course Kandahar province. So, it's it's freaking dangerous down there right?
0: yeah I, I, <laughs> so, a Dude like you six foot two like you know, right like, I, you know and I still had to have, have you know, thumb, eight eight bodyguards and,
1: uh, I didn't on that trip <laughs> so we 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 helicopter in and when you're when you're flying in, you see two things. you see a gray desert wasteland and then you see these thin lines of green that follow creeks and rivers and stuff and um, you know as recently as the 19 early 1980s and as crazy as this sounds afghanistan was a net food exporter with what little arable land they have they actually exported food to pakistan and to iran well now literally Everything that they eat has to be imported because they use all of their arable land to grow heroin poppy. Hmm. So I said to these guys, in the uh, it was the, the North Dakota Air National Guard that flew me in <laughs> <laughs> like
2: nice guys. 130 with these
1: guys, like. yes, yes, it was a, C, a C12. <laughs> so, um, we land in Lashkar Gah, and I said, I don't want to just be on this, you know, State Department. Uh, base this little mini base i want to go out and talk to a poppy farmer Ooh, they said no no we can't do that i said yeah we're gonna do that (laughs) and the crazy thing and i i had trouble getting used to this but as a congressional staff member i had general officer rank right because i was one of the senior executive service uh rank people civilian well i'll tell you a funny story about that in a minute so i said yeah yeah we're gonna we're gonna get in a jeep and we're gonna go talk to a poppy farmer. So nobody liked that idea, but we did it. So we go out and find this random farmer and he's got poppy for as far as the eye can see. And we get to talking and I had a translator there and I said to him very naively, why don't you grow instead of poppy something that has two growing seasons like onions or tomatoes or pomegranates? And he's just exasperated and he goes, ah, the Americans told me in 2001 that if I told them where the Arabs were, I could grow all the poppy I wanted. And I said, what American told you you could grow all the poppy you wanted? And my military handler's like, all right, we got to go. We're done. We're yeah, all- this is, this yeah. is, meeting's over. Jeez. And wow. we got back in the Jeep and we drove back to the base. And I said, you know, I got to document this, right? He's like, yeah, you do what you feel you need to do. So wow. that's how we left it. Jeez. Yeah.
0: So there you go man You were on the ground Looking at that shit Yeah man. So you you can I mean That's their cash crop <laughs> I mean It's, it's their, their Literally
1: their only Cash crop Cash crop In the meantime Their kids have no shoes Right But they've got 93% of the world's heroin
0: And they've got old Toyotas From when we were Helping them exactly. out Exactly the so that, that doesn't happen Unless Uncle Sam Is winking and sanctioning and, and that's what it is
1: It's a wink and a nod There's nothing on paper That says no. Go ahead and produce heroin Yeah it's just that if you do produce heroin, we're not going to do anything about it right. because that's an internal Afghan situation, yeah. right?
0: We're not going to mess this with is it. Karzai's problem exactly. Although his him and his brother are probably in on it. Well, his knowing brother know, he, knowing he, the corruption.
1: His his brother got assassinated
0: for a reason yeah. because he was the king of heroin. Well, and also, weren't they tied into Bank of Kabul? Oh which yeah, is what Pete Buttigieg was. Oh yeah! We mentioned that to Buddha Judge when we met him. Yeah, because we we tried to have Buddha Judge on the podcast. Cool. And you're like, you know, okay, we're gonna have Buddha Judge on. Like, they want to talk about X, Y, Z. Yeah. Like, Eric's like. I want to talk about the Bank of Kabul and, and what, you know. Yeah, and we were shaking hands it, when I said that to him, when he kind of jolted back a little bit. Oh, he's like, like, oh, really? I said, yeah, no one's ever asked you about it. And they're like, yeah, do not put him on that podcast. Yeah, wow. he's not going on that and podcast. We didn't have him on. We didn't We didn't get him wow. on. Wow. But I wanted to have a real conversation with yeah, him. I mean, sure. he's an impressive an guy, young guy. An young, guy. Yeah, yeah, you know, first uh, openly gay cabinet yep. secretary, all mm-hmm. kinds of great things, but he... Like Tulsi, who you know I'm close mm-hmm. with. He ran on his war record. Yes. And let's talk about your war record. Yes. I want to hear what you did over there. And he won't, say, just like he won't say what he did with- uh, Oh, uh, um, that shadowy- uh, Yeah, oh, what's uh, the name uh, of it? Uh, uh, yeah, That th- consulting group. Uh, yeah, Give th- me a sec, man. I'll think of this. He's, He's th- like, we had like supermarket clients. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, yeah, no, yeah, you weren't super doing supermarket, supermarket shit, But In, in
1: Somalia, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Ridiculous. Yeah. It starts with an M. Yeah. Uh, Mc- oh, God. Rick- McKinsey. Rick- oh, McKinsey. 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 Is that what yeah. Is? That's- yeah. yeah. Well, let me, let me <laughs> t- tell you another short one. So at the end of that trip, um, I have to fly on a military plane from Bagram to Dubai, and then I'm going to catch the United uh, Dubai to Washington. So this, the plane has 16 seats, and there are 17 of us passengers. And it turns out that everybody else on the plane is a general. Right. Oh, okay. It's Somebody 16 on a generals. lap. 16 generals. Gonna general, general's lap dance. general lap dance. General <laughs> Flynn's giving me a lap dance with coconut <laughs> broth. And they're all between like one and four stars. So I stop <laughs> and I said, I'm not getting on the plane. I'm not going to take some general's seat. Yeah. And uh, and there's this poor brigadier general. He's like, no, I insist. He said, I'll stay an extra day. You get on the plane. I said, absolutely not. And he said, you outrank me. And I said, no, I don't. General? Yeah. Yeah. And I said, no, I don't. And even if I did, I said, you've been fighting in Afghanistan and I'm going to take your seat home? I said, your wife and kids would never forgive me. I said, believe me, I'm happy to stay one more day in Afghanistan. I said, I insist you get on the plane. And he got on the plane. I stayed one more day. And then my boss the staff director he's like well you're a day late i said i'm not gonna bump a general who's been nine months in afghanistan from his flight home yeah, jeez oh no, man no that's bad the, karma. The general
0: can hook you up later on man, if <laughs> he's something right. he could be q Who yeah, knows? it who... could be could be q <laughs> that's right he would need a q clearance q level clearance on which on i think we decided
1: uh yeah only a few hundred people was have. not was not happening yeah
0: Wow. So, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, you spent a lot of time in that that part of the world. So Afghanistan mm-hmm. and then obviously, you know, one of the things you're most well known for is Pakistan, the yep. raid, the raid that that got Abu Zubaydah. And, you know, with anyone who could look at your record and what you were doing, I mean, just just, just the sentence led CIA raids on Al Qaeda safe houses yeah. in Pakistan. That's got a lot that's of them. fucking hairy, dude. It That's was, really
1: hairy. It was tough. But you know what, though? I was in this odd period in my life where I was in between marriages.
0: and Is marriage scarier than al-Qaeda terrorists? Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay.
1: Listen, I've gone nose to nose with al-Qaeda, with Hezbollah, with the Iranians. and With the PLO. Divorce court is way more traumatic. Way scarier. They say Let that American, American, I'll, I'll American add
0: divorce courts are a slaughterhouse. In,
1: in all complete seriousness... OK, I led dozens of raids against Al Qaeda safe houses. I was responsible for the capture of dozens of Al Qaeda fighters, including the commanders of both of their camps and Abu Zubaydah. OK, and I went home without any hint of PTSD. When I went through my second divorce, I was diagnosed with PTSD. Jeez. So, yeah, I, be- I divorce believe divorce court. Yeah, I believe yeah. It. Yeah, I, I, I believe it. I mean,
0: you, you, you can prepare for a CIA raid on a sa- Al Qaeda safe house. Yeah, that you you're can, prepared you can, for. You're and <laughs> then you go have a
1: beer afterwards.
0: Seriously. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's having like, wow, we just of caught of us what, what are you strapped with when you do that? Like a handgun, a machine gun? What, what, kind of, um, what kind of heat you walking? in? I, I always
1: and, carried a nine millimeter, nine millimeter. And then if things, you know, there was a possibility of things getting hairy. I would keep a thirty eight on my ankle, you have that. two uh, loaded magazines ready to go, and yeah. then, and this was probably just silly, but I always kept a Smith and Wesson buck knife in my back pocket, just in, just in case. Just in case things just went so crazy that that's all I had left.
0: So, so you're probably not. We talked about Pakistan. We talked about the ISI. Are you, are, are were you not surprised that Bin Laden was so close to that academy? Absolutely, to that, to that pakistani you know i used to laugh when people would say oh he's in some cave in afghanistan no he's not in a cave i always
1: thought he was in pakistan of course he was in pakistan and have you ever been in a cave you know how uncomfortable I mean, it is in, New in Hampshire,
0: like, especially. Yeah. What was Bin Laden 6'6"? Six, six, yes, exactly yeah. six four. And didn't he need to get dialysis and too? kidney, had, kidney, had, kidney disease. disease. Did they find right. need any dialysis He's equipment a, though? I know they know. found some porn. They found a copy of loose change. You so. know, I was given an interview. T-
1: <laughs> I was given an interview on on tv in Pittsburgh, and it, it was it was like their chief news guy and the editor in chief of the Pittsburgh Post Gazette that were interviewing me, and one of them said. Were you surprised that they found porn on bin Laden's computer? And I said, completely truthfully, I said, the night of the bin Laden raid, a friend of mine from the CIA called me and said, how much porn do you think they're going to find on that computer? A terabyte. And he said, really? And I said, listen, <laughs> the, the culture is so oppressive. Yeah. You can't even be in the same room with a woman. So you have all day long because you're hiding from the CIA. And from ISI, maybe, or the British, Some or the Israelis, the ISI, or right. whoever. Good God. So <laughs> what are you going to do all day long?
0: You're going to look at porn. Porn too. Pornhub. Yes. They all had Pornhub accounts. <laughs> Mia Khalifa. She pro- he's probably a Mia Khalifa fan. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember, John, the first time we had you on, this is something that stuck with me. Um, you, you've been to Saudi Arabia, right? Many you, times. You that you wrote, was my first tour. Okay, so you were there in a consulate or an embassy or somewhere, and you were like, I have never seen a larger collection of gay porn in my yes. entire life in a freezer, right? In a, in like a like and a freezer in a freezer.
1: No, well, <coughs> it was next to the freezer
0: I with said, all the meat. I said
1: pork, pork. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, pork. <laughs> I I said to a friend of mine who was working there. I said, how can you how can you recruit a Saudi because they have oh. all the money in the world? Oh. And he said they would sell their mothers for a gay porn magazine <laughs> and a pound of bacon.
0: Dude, I'll go to the gas station. I'll go to the mobile and get one <laughs> for you exactly you have any blue boy both there? of those things oh shit <laughs> that is so rich man well yeah just a, a repressive society where where you know it's so taboo and mm-hmm. oh, listen when i was living amazing. in bahrain i spent two years in
1: bahrain uh, as the economic officer and my wife uh, heard a sound one night coming from behind our house and i was afraid it was a break-in so I, I got a, I had a 12 gauge uh, shotgun that they assigned to everybody when you first arrived. So I got my my 12 gauge and I went around really stealthily, really quietly around to the back of the house, and it was three 15 year olds having sex with each other, oh. all boys. Oh, I had to chase them away. Rugged.
0: That wasn't man love Thursday, right? That's in no, Afghanistan. That, that's, yeah. that's a thing in Afghanistan. You, apparently, you bet it's a thing. I've, mostly I've been among told the by- Shia. The Shia, yeah. okay, yeah, yeah, the dancing uh, Afghani boys. Th- that's right. Yeah. There's documentaries yeah. got, about documentaries. That, yes, that yes. is so fucking twisted. But he's in the military and who said good. Americans aren't really allowed to do anything no, about we it. Don't because, any, we no, don't have any. We don't have any gays culture. It's their culture, right. and, and we That's right. We can't do anything about it. No, no. And that's super, Hands super off. fucked. Yeah, it is. That's yeah. twisted.
1: Really, really wrong. And
0: then in Iran, um, if you're, you know, if you're trans, you have to go to Canada to get a sex change. There's a back channel. Really? If, or if you come out as gay. They make you get a or sex change? they make you get a sex change. And, and a, there's a community in Toronto, in oh Canada, my God. where Iranians have to go for that. Oh, my so God. So it's, man, work on your sexual shit. You know, you want to- I know, people like, are Terrorism just, and with uh, all the anger and all, like, you work, you know, I think you can't bomb your way out of it. We can't drone bomb our way out of it. We have to start with the- with the culture, or we, I, I don't know, you know I, I don't know what I, the right answer is, man. But I think we need the Beatles, we need some Playboy magazines, yeah, we need seriously, some cheeseburgers. I, after I left the
1: CIA, um, I went to work in the private sector. I went to one of the big four consulting firms, Deloitte and Touche, and um, it was a it was the most boring job I ever had in my mm-hmm. life, but I enjoyed it because it was the best group of people I ever worked with. So I'm there, passing the time, and I get a call one day from Paramount Studios. And they said that another CIA officer had recommended that they talk to me, that they had just film, finished filming the movie The Kite Runner based on the you know, Khalid Hosseini book. And they had run into some trouble. And could I fly out to Los Angeles and talk to them about it? And I said, sure. It sounds intriguing. So I flew out to Los Angeles. They treat me like a king and, um, and they show me the rough cut of the film. And there were two scenes in this film that were going to be a big problem. Uh, One was the rape scene where an Afghan boy who's 13 rapes a 12-year-old boy and they show him staggering away from the scene of the attack and he's bleeding from from his rectum. And then there's another scene where it's one of the dancing boys and he's made to do this homoerotic dance in front of a group of the Taliban. Well, they said that Somehow the rough cut had leaked to uh, to a, a pirate in India who had made copies and had sent the copies to Afghanistan. But in Afghanistan, so many people were so simple that they couldn't tell that it was acting. And they believed that it was like a documentary of this kid being raped. And so they were looking for these kids to kill them. Wow. So I said, well, what do you want me to do? And she said, we want you to go to Afghanistan and get these kids out and get their families out. So I said, okay. I said, my boss will never approve this. I'm just going to tell him I'm going on vacation. It's not up to him to decide where I can and can't spend my vacation. I, I decide to spend my vacation in Kabul, Afghanistan. So they gave me a Thariya phone, sat phone. Um, and I flew to Afghanistan very quietly. Um, I connected with um, a couple of British guys that I know that have a little security company and they hired a translator for me. I found the kids' school and I uh, interviewed the principal and he told me that they were being bullied, that there were these rumors that they were gay and that it was even family members, like cousins, who were threatening to kill them for bringing shame on their families. So um, I went to... The houses, they all lived in the same little teeny tiny neighborhood. And I said that the studio had sent me and I was here to rescue them. Mm, They hemmed and hawed. They're not sure they really want to be rescued. But if it's worth their while, okay, what do I have in mind? I said, I have a friend who's waiting for us in Dubai. I'll get you passports and exit visas. And we're going to set you up with jobs and houses in Dubai. And we'll enroll the children in a in a, uh, what's the language? Uh, Dari, Dari Language School, right? For Afghan refugees. It took me about 10 days and I bribed everybody in the Afghan foreign ministry. I was going through tens of thousands of dollars in cash just bribing everybody. Studio
0: cash? <clears throat> Studio cash. They had the budget. They oh had yeah,
1: it. and they told me spend anything I needed to spend. Spend no expense. So wow. I, I got... It, it was 27 people at the end, you know, un- for these two uncle, kids. uncle Muhammad three. It turned out to be three kids, three kids and all their family members. So we go to the, uh, the airport, this whole gang of us. And I have all their 27 passports and my passport. And I said to this woman at the counter, what's the first flight out of here? She said, it's to Dubai. I said, perfect. She says, it's cam air. I said, what is that? Cam, she says. Cambodia? K K A M. I said, What is that? She said, Well, you have to stop in Iran. And I was like, Crap. That's like better than Argo. I had. Well, I I originally had come in through Delhi, and I just assumed that they would either send me back out through Delhi or there would be some sort of direct flight to Dubai. I had like five seconds to make a decision. I said, Give me 28 tickets. So. A few hours later, we land in Iran and I'm like, oh man, literally nobody in the world knows I'm here. I mean, if I disappeared, that would be the end of it, right? Yeah. There would be like some memorial plaque to me, like whatever happened to John.
0: There'd be a star. There'd be. A but it was
1: easy. We didn't even have to get off the plane. We stayed on the plane. They were thrilled, the family members. We sat on the tarmac for an hour. They reloaded the plane and then we flew to Dubai. So my friend was waiting for us in Dubai. He had arranged apartments for all three of the families. He got the dad's jobs. And then I enrolled the kids in school. I went home at the end of the two weeks. Um, But trouble started immediately. Like the the dads were ungrateful jerks. Well, I don't want to be, you know, a dishwasher. I want to be a salesman at the Mercedes dealership. One of them told me. I said, you can't be a uh, salesman at the Mercedes dealership because you don't speak English and you don't speak Arabic. You only speak Dari. And nobody in Dubai who speaks Dari could buy a Mercedes-Benz. He said, I was the chief Mercedes-Benz salesman in Kabul. I said, there is no Mercedes dealership in Kabul. I'm not stupid. There's only Toyota. There is. There's only Toyota.
0: Leftover Soviet stuff. (laughs) They all have recalls on the frames.
1: So they were real jerks That's about a it. Dude, well, six tw- months 27 later, twenty-seven people, <laughs> twenty-seven people, totally ungrateful. They never said thank it's you. Like Band on the run which, with John Kiriakou. <laughs> <laughs> Good God! So I flew back, and like six months pass, and I get a call from the general counsel at the uh, at the studio, and she said, "Can you do me one more favor?" Oh, man. I said, "Now what?" I said, "I really don't want to go back to Dubai," and she said, "No." She said, they've become such pains in our asses that we're going to send them back to Kabul. And uh, it was at their insistence, like they're demanding, I want a million dollars or I'm going to go back to Kabul. Go, go back to Kabul. Nobody wants you here. And so she said, we're going to leak the story to The New York Times and to NPR. Will you confirm it? And I said, yes. (laughs) So like an hour later, The New York Times calls me and then an hour after that, NPR calls me and I said, yes, they were jerks. The studio did literally everything that was needed to get them out. They were safe. They were happy. They had all new lives, and they were ungrateful, and they want to go back. I said, this is on them. It's not on Paramount.
0: Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Talk and, about and, going and above I said, and beyond for the talent. And,
1: and I said, one <laughs> other thing. I said, I don't work for Paramount. I'm just a guy.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? I don't know these Paramount you're Like a hired people. gun for this. Yeah, it was you, a you were hired gun. kind of brought in like you, Rambo. You to studio bagman. Yeah. So yeah, this isn't yeah. you know me standing up for my employer. I don't no. know Paramount anything. So wow. that's how we left it. They that's all twenty-seven insane. went back to Afghanistan.
0: What year was that? When was that?
1: Uh, two thousand seven, summer of two thousand seven. I, to, I, I this. vaguely this, remember this. the kite runner. That's, I vaguely, oh remember. yeah, I saw it. I, I vaguely it's a remember. Brilliant movie. I'm gonna yeah. watch
0: it with different eyes now, though. Yeah, God, I'm gonna be. Well, that's what it takes you know. to make a good movie. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the kind of shit that it takes to make a good movie. Yeah, authenticity. <laughs> I mean, the there's fact a danger that, element. Oh, there's definitely a danger well, element. Well, you know I mean, when when the article
1: volume six when the article appeared in the New York Times. Of course, my boss at Deloitte and Touche read the New York Times John, every day. What were you doing and on vacation? Me, said, you weren't hanging you out by the pool. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> Are you fucking telling me that you went to Afghanistan on that vacation? I said, Gordy, it's none of your business where I vacation. I chose to spend my vacation at the, uh, you know, Jack Aranda guest house of Kabul, Afghanistan. So, yes, I went to Afghanistan.
0: So, speaking of New York oh, Times, that's um, New York Times had this piece in January or February about the. Right. Uh, and this is. Eric mentioned it earlier. You've been in the news recently for this, this fucking pardon shit. Yeah. Like,
1: which is. That's what it is. This yeah, fucking, fucking pardon shit. shit. And it yep. is
0: shit. And, and, and John Kiriakou should have been pardoned a long time ago, by the way, folks. Thank you. And. As much as Bush sucks it wasn't Bush that fucked no. him over it was, it was Barack Obama. Barack Obama that's yeah. right okay Barack Obama um, and John but, Brennan. but basically John, you were willing to give the king or someone associated with the king fifty thousand dollars up front yeah and then another 50 if your pardon actually went through yeah is this how this is this how this actually works with pardons? Yes like, because you it have, is you have the Kardashians in the White House with mm-hmm. jailhouse pardons so mm-hmm. that made that made when that happened I was like, wait a minute. I know a few other people who should probably be pardoned. Yes. Bef- who, who, you know what I mean? Who actually. I tried
1: hard to get in touch with Kim Kardashian. Hard. I mean, you went on Tucker my Carlson
0: to talk to the king directly.
1: Nine yeah. times. I went on Tucker Carlson's show nine times. Aloha and to Tucker for that. Yes. And Tucker, Tucker would call Tucker, me Aloha, and say. Tucker. Tucker would call me and say, I know for a 100% fact he's going to be watching tonight. So can you come on the show? Of course I can I'd come on to. the show. Yeah, Yeah. I'll I'll be right over. Yeah, in fact, I'll tell you one thing that never made it into the papers because I kept it secret. There's no reason to keep it secret now. My dear friend and attorney, uh, uh, Bruce Fine, was the one who sort of tried to guide me through this whole process. Bruce was the um, uh, associate deputy attorney general under Ronald Reagan, and then he became uh, the general counsel at the Federal Election Commission. So Bruce is one of the country's great, uh, constitutional thinkers so he's very very tightly tied into republican party politics even more into libertarian politics he was the campaign manager for ron paul's uh president some campaigns. libertarian dalliances though yeah yeah we're you're both very, you're we popular both consider libertarian ourselves circles. yes yeah i i consider myself a part of what's called the libertarian left mm-hmm. but yeah I, libertarian I
0: believe, small l maybe
1: you, well, no mm-hmm. on the libertarian party website they it's a capital l oh okay yeah oh, yeah wow. yeah yeah, there really is such a thing as the libertarian. <laughs> hey, Scott Horton likes you. I like Scott Horton. Scott Horton. He's, in fact, I just did a blurb for his latest book. He's a he's a just he's, he's brilliant. a great guy. He's brilliant. Yeah. Great, great thinker and very well informed. Oh my God! Very well oh, read. I,
0: I want to know anything about Syria. I watched. Oh Scott yeah, Horton. he'll, he'll that dude knows lay it everything out.
1: about Syria. Well, Bruce introduced me to a woman named Karen Jorno. Karen was the uh, campaign manager in Florida for the 2016 Trump campaign. Okay. Karen uh, she is originally from New Jersey, and she's one of these MAGA babes, right? <laughs> Extremely good looking. There's a lot of them, man. I got to yeah. tell you, man. I, I have the
0: best women, John, Like, okay? remarkably. I, I had a woman, that she did Trump, Trump Tower, okay? It was led by a woman. <laughs> Always by women.
1: <laughs> so she came up uh, to Washington to meet with me, along with a colleague of hers, George Jijikos. Uh, uh, is he a Greek, Greek fellow? American? I was going to say, is he Greek by yep. any chance? That's Greek an American, name. who, who yeah. for six he's weeks, he's a good was, Irishman. He was the head of White House uh, uh, scheduling until he got fired. He made the president angry or something, and they threw him out.
0: I didn't like his shoes. Exactly. I did like Papa Dopoulos like though. <laughs>
1: <laughs> George Papadopoulos they, they were all in the same circle
0: Yeah, they had the Greek mafia around the king <laughs> So they, they
1: came up to D.C. And we met in Bruce's office And, um, you know, she said I know Trump And here, look at my phone And she kind of covered up one, uh, Three of the numbers Here's Trump's cell phone number He calls me every night He okay. calls me in the middle of the night And uh, I'm really close and, and I can I'm tied into the White House And I can get you this pardon But she said I want 50000 right now and then another fifty thousand when the pardon comes through. Well, I was like just getting divorced, so I I like very briefly had fifty thousand. was going to say, how
0: did you have fifty grand during a divorce? Right. Well, because
1: my ex-wife is an executive at Northrop Grumman and she made four times what I made. She makes that, yeah. Yeah, like two so, days. So she had to pay me. Hey. So.
0: Um, oh, that's- I nice used that a change it. yeah that's a little yeah. bit of yeah. good for you that's nice to hear thank you thank you yeah that's great i, I was that's that's a, that's a big win right there you don't ever hear about that in no. america no so
1: i sent the 50,000 to Karen Jorno and over the course of the next 3 years she would call me periodically and say oh i talked to Kellyanne Conway and she's fully supportive and i talked to uh, Huckabee Sanders and she supports you and and she would always say the same thing I talked to the White House political director and, and he knows all the details. Okay, so where's my pardon? Yeah. Because there are all these strangers and weirdos and drug dealers getting pardoned.
0: Oh, I mean, the White House political director, that, that position probably changed every other week.
1: And I said to her at one point, she called me, she says, I just talked to the White House political director, and he said that he's fully aware. Finally, I said to her, so help me, God, if you tell me one more time that you talk to the White House political director, I'm going to flip out on you. I said, I don't even know who the fuck the White House political director is. Whoever he is, I don't even know if it's a man, whoever he is, he does not have the authority with the president to tell the president to pardon me. I said, tell Kellyanne Conway to tell the president to pardon me. Wow. I'm tired of this. Yeah. So right. I went on Tucker Carlson, and Tucker said, I want you to tell the whole story from the beginning. And he gave me like 20 minutes.
0: That was a great segment. It was I great. I watched that. Yeah. Oh, man. I-
1: so I told the whole thing. The blow by blow with all the detail and the FBI, how they tried to set me up and I caught them and the whole thing. Sure enough, the president was watching. So he calls Jared Kushner and said, there's a guy on the Tucker Carlson show and you should watch this clip. So Kushner watches the clip and then calls his attorney, Abby Lowell, who calls Bruce Fine and says, my client wants to meet your client. So, like three days later, Bruce and I go to Abby Lowell's office, and we meet with Jared Kushner, who could not been any more—he could not have been any more of a of a cold jerk than he was in that meeting.
0: Slumlord paste.
1: Yeah, there's just nothing redeeming no about soul. this guy. No, no he's soul. He's Damien. the king yeah. has more soul than me. Oh, he that's does. a really great great analogy oh, yeah oh yeah yeah he's a, he's a ghoul yeah he's damien Those,
0: those Kush- yeah those kushners are ghouls you're exactly right about yeah. that
1: so he said to me um what exactly do you want from me and i had all i had rehearsed all this kushner right? said that to yeah. you. yeah what do you want from me and I said, Ivanka, Barack Obama ruined my life, and your father-in-law is the only person who can give it
0: back to me. Wow, that's a gr- that is a fucking epic elevator pitch, dude. But you're gonna make them right? look good. Like, you're gonna get is, what you want, John. You like you're not, gonna make it them look You had that thing whittled down under ten seconds, <laughs> direct. It's gonna make the king look good. Exactly. It's going to help Listen, you. I it's I'll going tell, to tell hurt you how Obama. I
1: how I prostituted brilliant. myself. It's brilliant. I'll tell yeah. you how I prostituted myself and and it was it was thanks to Tucker. He threw me this big softball that just came in big as a watermelon and I took a swing at it. He says, "Usually, presidents issue pardons immediately after an election so that there's no election fallout for them. Why do you think the president would be willing to pardon you now?" And I said, "Because There's been another uh, president in history who has set a precedent of issuing out-of-cycle pardons. I said, Abraham Lincoln (laughs) used to sit up at night. I'm like Lincoln. I'm the best since
0: Lincoln. I might be better
1: better than Lincoln. And I know he's watching. So I said, Abraham Lincoln used to to sit up at night (laughs) and he would pardon people in the military who had gone AWOL. And Tucker's like nodding. We had planned all this out in advance. Oh, it's brilliant.
0: It's brilliant. Yeah. And you tried to sign up the King, man. You use your agency trained to oh, sign the man. King.
1: The next day on Twitter, every blew up. lefty that I'm friends with just eviscerated me. Called me a whore and a prostitute for Trump. Fuck that. It was it was nightmarish. That's but I thought this is my
0: shot, They right? want other felons to get their vote yeah. back and their right to have a gun. And, well, well, maybe not have a gun, but I know you want to carry a gun. I want my gun back. You want back. your pension, and you want, I want your my fucking pension. right to vote. Exactly. And you should have all that. See,
1: my right to vote, I'll tell you that story in a minute. I got back quickly, thanks to Terry McAuliffe. Um, really? Who totally has my vote again this year.
0: He's a DNC guy. Didn't he run for governor of yes. Virginia? Yeah. yeah, he was governor. He was governor.
1: Yeah, for four years. We have one-term limit Uh, in virginia for governor and now he's running for governor again he's going to win so um so who else is watching the the spot on tucker but uh but um alan dershowitz oh so alan dershowitz was bruce's professor at harvard law okay and he calls bruce and he says you represent this guy john kiriaku and bruce said yeah and he said I think the guy made a compelling case. Sign me on for uh,
0: for the pardon. Dershowitz said that. Dershowitz. Dershowitz, Dershowitz volunteered. Such con- he's such a controversial. Well, he's got he very big problems talk, right he now. You want to talk about heroes and villains? Oh, he's Dershowitz. Both. I yeah. <laughs> Just like Trump said, well, they're going to have some serious have, problems <laughs> <laughs> with that island. We haven't even <laughs> yes. broached Epstein yet. Yeah, no, I kept what? my pants on during the massage right. by an old Russian lady. Yeah. Look, who, there's nobody who hang- happened
1: to be 16 and from New Jersey. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. There's yeah. nobody <laughs> hanging around Epstein younger than fucking right out at 17 God, right quick that's right anyway sorry john so you're no so, so he's watching tucker you want yeah, so
1: i'm i'm doing literally everything i can think to possibly do to come to the attention of donald trump and um and at the end of the day there was nothing now what i was told afterwards was that uh for whatever reason in their discussions i was lumped in with julian assange and ed snowden and that the president was seriously considering pardoning all three of he us. He even
0: talked he talked? Yeah. Trump even talked about Assange. He did. And then that's the hopium that I had.
1: And then Mitch McConnell called and said if you pardon Assange and uh Snowden, uh, you're going to lose the trial in the Senate. They'll turn the Republicans will turn against wow, you. Wow, really? Yeah. And so that was it. We were all just dead.
0: How many Republicans actually turned against him in the Senate? 4, 3, 2, 2. two? Susan Collins? No, uh, Romney, n- Romney Romney and, and Murkowski. Murkowski Murkowski so two. two. Mm-hmm. that was it yeah that was it that fuck. doesn't surprise fuck me fuck Mitch though. McConnell yeah Mitch McConnell Seriously. Mitch McConnell's fuck a fucking yeah. asshole yeah.
1: I mean, yeah. he to put that you together. know I heard a rumor the other day and this is just a rumor but I heard that he was re- recently diagnosed uh, with um, multiple organ failure okay. and that he's considering resigning McConnell yeah Wow. I don't know if that's true or not but that's I have what I not
0: heard that I have not heard that. No, I I mean, we don't wish. I don't know. You know? No, and then,
1: you know, just as things are circling the drain. um,
0: (laughs) (laughs) Counterclockwise. Yeah, so, you
1: know, COVID is raging. And I've got a buddy who is very, very entrepreneurial. And he calls me and he says that he commissioned like a half a billion dollars uh, kn95 masks and did I want to help him sell the masks and he'd give me like a nickel a piece little Vig yeah 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 exactly little Vig lots of uh of 500 thousand five cents a piece it's it adds up it's a lot of money i said sure and he said to me do you have a, a way of getting in touch with Rudy Giuliani because he said we made a sale to the Pentagon for 150 million masks and for whatever reason the signature in procurement is just jammed up and we need to shake it loose to get our money. I said, I don't know Giuliani personally, but I do know uh, some people around him. So um, I call a friend who called a friend, and I get to uh, to Giuliani's, um, what would you call him, major domo.
0: His bag man, his, his capo, bag man. his consigliere. Yeah.
1: That's right, the, the consigliere, that's right. So um, I talk to the guy, and he says, Actually, we're going to be in Washington next week on Tuesday. And uh, why don't we get together at the Trump Hotel? I said, terrific. He said, but let me tell you, it's got to be an early meeting because Rudy is usually so drunk by 2 o'clock that we can't get any any uh, business done. I
0: like to have a couple bottles of wine for lunch. Yeah. I, I do. I have you know. I have a bit of Followed by wine.
1: lots and lots of scotch lots of and scotch. cigars. A little bit, you know, a little so, bit so, of hair yeah, dye. You Jerry Steinbrenner <laughs>
0: Reserve. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's good. I
1: got Bernie Carrick on speed dial. <laughs> Actually, it was Bernie Carrick that put me in touch with him.
0: No shit, so, well,
1: Because Bernie and I were in prison at the same time, and then when we got out, a mutual friend- <laughs> Bernie makes really good jailhouse hooch. Oh, Bernie was God. in solitary the whole time because he's I mean, a Ber- cop. Bernie
0: is kind of- he's crooked. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's crooked. But yeah. you know. yeah, yeah, he's Bernie's probably crooked. fun, though. He's He'd probably, probably a be lot fun, of fun, to fun to podcast with. He's a with. very nice guy. I'd- yeah. Bernie, I'd podcast with you.
1: Bernie and I were planning to do a tour of colleges together to talk about prison reform. You can't do that now.
0: No, not now. I, w- I would have co-signed for that at Keene State. This is 11 years ago, but that yeah, would have been
1: incredible. It would have been fun, and been it, it, we just Bernard were never Carrick. able to make it work. So, um, yeah, I sent Bernie an email, and he set it all up. So, anyway, got you the
0: wine date. <laughs> Julie said, me a 2012 vintage. And you
1: know what's funny? Every time I've been to, a, to the Trump Hotel, it's been for kind of a high-level meeting. Always about the pardon. Always, and every single time I've been there, Matt Gates has been at the bar, sucking face with a different woman. That's anyway, incredible. That's incredible. just. Oh,
0: well, we'll get to Gates. We will get yeah, to Gates. Do you think those women were at least eighteen? Or oh yeah, in
1: fact, I knew a couple of them. They were in their thirties.
0: Okay, he's just. That's not illegal. He's just Joe Playboy. It's sketchy, oh, yeah. but it's yeah. not illegal. Oh, you I, go
1: on Saturday night to the Trump Hotel, and the entire House of Representatives Republican Conference there. is
0: there at the bar. Do you, are they, Do you think they're still there? No, not yeah, anymore. Yeah, no. I heard the place is a ghost town now.
1: In, in fact, they're thinking of just walking away from it. The Trumps. Really? Yeah. It's it's losing everything.
0: Uh, what happened with it, Mr. Trump? I don't know. I've never been there. You could literally show me the Trump pla- the, the Trump Hotel in D.C. I wouldn't know what it looked like. I've never been there, John. I don't know. I don't know Matt Gaetz. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know Rudy Giuliani. He could walk no. in right now. I would not know what he looks like. Well, if
1: we're sitting there with Giuliani, and That's we're incredible. talking about the masks, That's right? And so he says. uh he says, I can get you in with the Secretary of Defense. And my buddy's like, my buddy had flown up from Dallas. He's like, that would be awesome, Mr. Mayor. We really appreciate it. He says, I want a million bucks. And we were prepared for it. For a million? For a million. But I heard two million. Well, I'm getting there. Okay. He said, I want a million bucks. And we said, okay, we agree. Million bucks. We'll give you a million dollars. He said, okay, meetings tomorrow at 10 a.m. at the Pentagon. Okay. And I said, well, now that that's out of the way, I have this issue of a pardon. As soon as I said the word pardon, Rudy says, I got to hit the head. Anybody know where the men's room is? And he gets up and walks away. And his number two says, um, you can never talk business with Rudy. Not about a pardon. Not direct like that. No. He said, you want to talk about a pardon? You talk to me and I'll me. talk to Rudy. Hmm. But Rudy's going to want $2 million. And I laughed. <laughs> and I said, $2 million for Jesus. a pardon? And he oh. said, yeah, $2 million. I said, I don't have $2 million. Like,
0: if I was still in the CIA, I
1: could maybe get $2 million. I m- might be able to steal it. We yeah. Could, we could shake loose we could, something. We could black budget $2 million. Right. But, yeah. but I said, well, "I even if I had it, I wouldn't spend $2 million to recover a $700,000 pension. I said, right. forget it.
0: That is insane. Forget
1: it. And that was the end of it. Well, the next day, we all meet up to go to the Pentagon. We're going to see the Secretary of Defense about these masks. And as we're walking up the steps to the entrance, Rudy stops and he says, on second thought, I want $2 million." And my friend is like, "Well, wait a minute. We have an, an agreement. It's a million. And he said, if you don't give me 2000000 million, I'm not going into the meeting. And my friend said, forget it. And Rudy walked back to the car. And then we never even That's got in with, to the Secretary of Defense no. because he was waiting for Rudy to come in. And we said, well, Rudy's not coming in. So that was it. It was over.
0: The whole thing was just like pay to play. I
1: I mentioned to you before we started recording that there was a great article, front page article in the New York Times about his latest, his fourth divorce. And um, in the course of discovery, his soon to be ex-wife found that he is a member of 17 country clubs and he needs seven million dollars a year to maintain his current lifestyle. And so, you know, a million here, a million there. If you beat everybody over the head for one or 2 million dollars, you'll be able to eventually come up with that 7 million so long as Donald Trump is in the White House and mm-hmm. you can actually sell that access. Mm-hmm. Well, he can't sell that access anymore. got nothing to peddle anymore. No, oh, He's like better call he's Saul a nobody. Now. He's yeah. a strip, strip mall yeah. lawyer now. Yeah, yeah, he's a bad strip mall hair A drunk yeah. has yeah. been. Yeah, he's no. a drunk has been. Whatever what he goodwill
0: is. he had after 9/11, that's but that was long it. evaporated. Long that, gone. That was that was embarrassing after the the election with him going around with um sydney powell Powell.
1: that was that that was just like they they humiliated themselves and then their defense is well you should have known that i was just kidding i was acting it was just an act yeah
0: so like wait a minute no you
1: no, you're like the president's lawyer right exactly You're just kidding (laughs) you know and i remember some commentators saying rudy giuliani says the most outrageous things on the courthouse steps but when he goes into the courthouse he never says any of that
0: stuff Mm. because he knew it was all false all right. of it. Yeah, they had him in that Netflix documentary that came out last year yeah. about the, the big families in New York City. That's right. That's, he was a serious guy back then. He was like, a Reagan, very he was serious guy. Reagan was appointed during Reagan as the- uh, U.S. Attorney. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he was a serious dude. He took down the mafia. No one had ever done- No one could ever- no. Do that. And did you
1: know that his father was an enforcer for the Gambino
0: family? Yes, yes, I heard that. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah, he was, he was the real deal. Yeah. He cleaned up Times Square. Yes, he did. I mean, he af- completely after that-
1: cleaned up Penn Station and Grand Central Station. They're beautiful.
0: Yeah, well, they are. Grand Central Station. Uh, well, is I mean, anyway. when you travel to New yeah. York, I mean, those are, yeah. that's where, when you're coming in from that's Connecticut your first impression. or Philly mm. or wherever you're yes. coming in from, that's not a bad place to land. That's right. Um, after the 93 World Trade Center bombing, they said, Rudy, don't put your fucking bunker. Anywhere near the World Trade yeah. Center? He and where's in he put it? World Trade Center in building seven. In the basement 7. of the World Trade Center. Yeah, he put it in. He put it right yeah. in the World Trade Center complex exactly. that o- got destroyed. O E M. Yes. Office of Emergency, Emergency Management. Management. That's right. With um, Bernie Carrick. and That's who was right. the other guy? Jerome Howard. Mm-hmm. Jerome Howard was the other guy that he was working with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rudy's a little bit tarnished. The sheen has kind of been. <laughs>
1: I honestly, I don't see how this man can possibly make a living. I think he's What's totally finished. What's he doing finished. now? I mean, wh- like wh- literally nothing but defending himself against this Dominion voting machine mm. lawsuit. Oh
0: yeah, yeah. Which, which the uh, the the Q the Watson boys there are were, were the, the expert witness for the the Watkins. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, Watkins. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. But the other thing we wanted to uh, ask you about was the. Um, uh, I don't know if we mentioned drones yet, the, or drone bombings, but uh, there was another, I think the Espionage the Espionage Act was used yeah. against this other whistleblower recently. Daniel Hale. I think you've commented on Daniel Hale. Yeah, I spoke who, with him yesterday. He was a contractor, right? Yeah. And he talked about s- stuff that happened with certain you know, drone bomb- uh, bombing programs between like 05 and 07 or something yes. like that. Uh-huh. What's, what's going on with him?
1: Daniel Hale, I think Daniel Hale is a bona fide hero. I really do. This is a guy whose conscience just could not take the effrontery of the U.S. military and intelligence services bombing civilians, killing women, children, Children. the elderly, and then just pretending that it wasn't happening. And so he finally blew the whistle. You know, there's a legal definition of whistleblowing. It's bringing to light any evidence of waste, fraud, abuse, illegality, or threats to the public health or public safety. And that's exactly what he did. But like every other national security whistleblower, he um, had a problem uh, in that he was not permitted to present an affirmative defense.
0: To go through the Air Force, through official channels? Well, you you
1: can't even do that. But, But when he was even arrested... You're not allowed to say in court, I did it, but this is why I did it, right? Um, this was a precedent set in my case where Judge Leonie Brinkema in the Eastern District of Virginia said okay. her exact words. Mr. Kiriakou, you either did it or you didn't do it, and you did it. Well, yeah, I did it. I'm telling you I did it, but I did it for a reason, because in my case, the torture program was illegal, and it is illegal
0: to classify a criminal act. And the name of the agent that you supposedly gave was never publicly disclosed? No, never. Never publicly disclosed? Never. So you didn't—this whole thing about how it's like, oh, these whistleblowers are compromising national security, and they're— It's not the case.
1: It's not the case. That's a lie that the government repeats over and And over and over. Exactly, the government Mm -hmm. and the media. It took a full year before CNN stopped calling me CIA leaker John Kiriakou and started calling me CIA whistleblower John Kiriakou. MSNBC still calls me CIA leaker.
0: Uh, Well, that doesn't doesn't surprise me. (laughs) No.
1: Only Fox called me a whistleblower from the beginning.
0: Man, and that's the, we were it's talking the about this at thing. dinner earlier, man. Fox Crazy. News. Crazy. Look, look, man, I fucking hated Fox News. Yeah, like me when too. When I was a young man. Me like too. In my teens and my 20s. But sometimes Fox they're News,
1: right on. Sometimes.
0: I have to say, yes, yes. When I was younger, man, Fox News was the, was the enemy. They were the warmongers, Roger Ailes, Rupert Murdoch. They, they were lockstep. In and this my, was w-
1: painful for me. I am a third. I was a third-generation Democrat. I left yeah, the Democratic sure. Party over this. Sure. Well, and, you know, I, I like to think now that the ideological spectrum is not a straight line from left to right. It's no, a circle. No, it's not. And it meets at a certain point. It's a flat point. circle. It is. It's a circle. <laughs> and that circle where it meets, I think, is libertarianism. I really do. I believe it strongly
0: on the big real issues. Yes, on the, re- on the, on the, on the big re- real on issues, not the cosmetic superficial. No, 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 no. And, and that's that's yeah. No. That, that's
1: big constitutional interpretive issues. War and peace. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Surveillance privacy. Exactly. What, what whistleblowing. What you're mm-hmm. trying? You're trying someone trying to do the right thing with disregard for partisan politics.
1: What happened to Daniel Hale last week uh, is is just inexplicable to me. He decided he's been charged with five counts of espionage. Now, espionage in many cases is punishable by death. Death penalty. It's a death penalty charge. It's the gravest charge with which an American, uh, it's the gravest crime, rather, with which an American can be charged. And um, what he decided to do was to plead guilty to one count without a deal. And he was hoping that. That the government would then drop the other four counts because would it really be worth their while for him to go to court on the other four counts and potentially reveal classified information in the course of his defense? Right. I mean, that's how I got the sweetheart deal that I got. You know, the the government at first offered me 45 years and one woman, AUSA, insultingly said to me, take the deal, Mr. Kiriaku, and you may live to meet your grandchildren. So I said, I'm not doing 45 minutes. And then they came down to 10 years, then eight, then five. I had a legal dream team, right? I had 11 attorneys. And these are like national A-list named attorneys. And one of them said, you know, I've been practicing law in Washington for 53 years. And I've never seen them come down in time. Usually they'll offer you 10 years and you say no. And they come back with 15, Hmm. right? Or 18. Right. Well, they went from... 45 to 10 to eight to five. And I said, why are they coming down? And he said, without missing a beat, he said, because they have a shit case and they know it's shit. And that's why we're going to trial. Well, they were stuck at five from like April until October of 2012. And they said, look, we're not coming down under five. You're doing five years. And finally, I said, we were in a meeting at the Justice Department. And I said, you know what? I said, I feel like I have nothing to lose. My life is over. And so I think I'm going to go to trial. I'm going to go to trial and I'm going to testify on my own behalf. And I am going to talk about the hideous shit and crimes against humanity and war crimes that I've witnessed in 15 years at the CIA. How about that? And they said, all right, uh, 30 months, you do 23. And I said, yeah, (laughs) that I'll take. (laughs) Let's talk. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Daniel Hale knew this. And so his attorneys, and he actually has federal public defenders. And no matter what you hear about public defenders, these guys are great. Really great. Fully clear. They know their shit. They know their shit and they're serious attorneys. So, um, So they believe that in the end he's probably going to get five years because reality winner got five years and three months. I was reading that, yeah. yeah. This
0: is not the same district, the judge, that you had, right? So Same, so if, same if judge, if same district. Snowden or Assange were to come back... They, and, same if, one. And the record they have, they've, they've, already ne- been charged. they've never lost.
1: Correct. They, the, the, so, these guys have already been charged in the Eastern District of Virginia. I yeah. was there, Jeffrey yeah. Sterling, the CIA whistleblower Forget was there. Forget about it. Snowden, Assange, everybody's in the Eastern District... And the government has never lost a case. There's, there's no chance Ever. for a fair trial. No, so
0: impossible. So probably five years. And this yeah. fellow was like our age. He's like 33, 34. Oh yeah, like, yeah. He's a young guy. He's a young fellow. He's younger fellow. And yes. And, uh, so who did he work for? I'm, I'm not. Too he familiar. was. A, he was a, a this, contractor. He was a right? contractor
1: on on assignment to NSA
0: and then NSA sent him to the Air Force. Okay. And what did he, what does he want to blow the whistle he's on? He's just talking about the, the, drone, the, the drone, program drone program killing and, civilians. Oh, that's right, that's yeah, right. Go, yeah. going at, so obviously targeting yeah. Al-Qaeda and, and right. the threats, right, legitimate right, right. threats and, and terrorists and wh- whatnot. But, but you know, another
1: but, another drone whistleblower told me privately one time that he was, he was targeting, right? And so he's looking at his screen and he sees the Jeep, where the terrorist is supposed to be, uh, and uh, the Jeep pulls over and these guys get out and he he gets a message from his boss he was in nevada and his boss in i think a trailer was in, in florida nevada, right yeah. yeah he was in a trailer with in nevada a with a joystick right yeah. and his boss was in florida at uh, at sencom uh, um, what's it called fort uh, oh my gosh i can't believe it's i like forgot death by video game yeah so he said uh, that his boss said do you have the target in sight he said yeah fire and he said wait a minute he said there's a child there and the guy said that's not a child it's a goat and he said, It's not a goat. It's a child. Ooh. He's standing next to his parents. I can see
0: it. I can see the child. Yeah.
1: And he, the guy says, Fire. And he's like, I'm not going to fire. He said, Sergeant, you will fire or you will be court martialed. He said, I'm not going to kill a kid. And he didn't do it. Wow. Yeah. He ended up leaving the military. Did he get in big shit for that? He or? didn't. He no. didn't because he went over his boss's head to, to argue it's his case. Happened. He said, it's a, it's a war crime. Yeah.
0: You can't kill children. Yeah. Well, that's that's the issue that that uh, Jeremy Scahill talked a lot about with um, uh, who who was the the preacher and his uh, two children. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, um, Wallachie. 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 You know, I met him one time. And they're American citizens.
1: They were all American citizens. Alaki uh, like was From born New in Mexico. New Mexico. Yeah. His father was the Yemeni ambassador of the United States. Before that, he had been the minister of agriculture. When I was studying Arabic. Uh, we went over to the to the big mosque in Falls Church, Virginia, just to practice uh, some specialized vocabulary. So we went over, and he had made an appointment. We're going to see the imam. Well, the imam turned out to be Anwar Al Laki, hmm. and so uh, my instructor told him we're from the State Department Language School, and we're learning Arabic, and they're all going to different countries, and they want to um, to speak to you about religion in Arabic in the with a vocabulary that we have. So we spent a good like four hours with the guy. We even went to the to the Arabic store and bought like, you know, baklava and he bought a Quran for the instructor and he couldn't have been any nicer.
0: He's an American citizen. He,
1: He was an American citizen. And I would remind you, not only was he an American citizen, but he had never been charged with a crime. He had never faced his accusers in a court of law, and he had the same constitutional guarantees that that you and I have.
0: And he was just turned into a smudge. Didn't didn't the... the
1: they picked him up in pieces that were no bigger than a couple of inches
0: and didn't recently tenant a the Yemeni intelligence or they they leaked audio yes. of Tenant saying he's one of my guys. No, I need to get him out of there. The or speculation was that it was set him. me right on this. What is this? Yeah,
1: the speculation was that it, it was al Laki, okay. And I gave an interview the other day uh, to the Associated Press and I said that that didn't make sense. Uh, because Alaki wasn't in a Yemeni jail at the time; he was in Yemen, right? But he wasn't in a jail. And I said, in a situation like that, th- these kinds of things happen every once in a while, where we'll we'll get somebody who is able to burrow so deeply into a terrorist group that they get arrested. Yeah, right. And no with one all else, the other terrorists, no one else knows that they're working. Exactly. With CIA, and, or- and so discreetly, either. Uh, the CIA director will call that country's intelligence director or the president will call that country's president and get the guy Make sprung. Direct, yeah. Direct. ass. So and this it, this was we certainly had people. Oh, yeah. Working to infiltrate Al Qaeda after the USS Cole. Yeah. Right. But it wasn't. So all this Lacky. was
0: tenant tr- trying to get someone yeah. else. Who was,
1: whoever the source, was, whoever it was. He was trying to get him out. So,
0: yeah, it was speculated that it was him, but it yeah. wasn't. Yeah, the, the drone program, man. It's, it's it's bad. It's bad. It's it's a real sad thing, and it's it's a real blight on on Uncle Sam. It sure it is. is. Um, well, yeah, you know, one of the last things we want I wanted to just pick your brain about and get your take on is Epstein, man. You know, yeah. uh, when you look at Epstein, the whole thing, and Ghislaine Maxwell, and. Yeah. Who her father was? I mean, that that whole operation. I mean, what do do you make of it? What's your take on it? A
1: few weeks ago, I spent an entire Saturday down at the Willard Hotel with a documentary film crew from NBC. Okay. Uh, They're doing a four-part documentary series on Ghislaine Maxwell. And they asked me exactly the same question. And I said, I think I've got a pretty well-informed answer. I said, to me, it's clear that they were assets of the Israeli Mossad clear. like there, In my mind, there's not even any doubt about it. And I'll tell you why. Um, first of all, her father was, an, was a Mossad asset. Um, secondly, the Mossad is arguably one of the two or three most active intelligence agencies in the United States, right? They target us at every level, not just government, but defense contractors and universities as well. So they're everywhere. On my, in my first week at the CIA, Uh, Our chief of security warned us that the Israeli embassy had two declared intelligence officers, one from Mossad and one from Shin Bet. The FBI was able to identify another one hundred and eighty nine Israeli intelligence officers loose and at work all across the United States. Okay, so the Israelis, this is what they do. What we don't share with them, they steal from us. Right. That's just what they do. Okay, now, if you are the Israeli intelligence service and you want to get to the president of the United States, do you think you can recruit the president of the United States? Of course not. So what's the next best thing? It's somebody who hangs out with the president of the United States, even a former president, because former presidents have secret security clearances. They still get classified briefings and they still talk to everybody who matters. So that's called an access agent. What better access agent could there possibly be than Jeffrey Epstein? He's friendly with Donald Trump and Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton and every mover and shaker in American society. Um, And what's everybody's weakness? It's sex. sex. It's sex. And then you add in. A private island in the Caribbean with a giant mansion on it and these beautiful young women and plenty of drinks and plenty of money and a private jet. Who doesn't want all that stuff? Now, I'd like to think that we would say, hey, there's something wrong with this. This just isn't normal behavior. And where does this guy get all of his money? That doesn't make any sense either. How can this guy afford One hundred and fifty million dollar townhouse on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. It doesn't make any sense. So to me, when you put two and two and two together, it comes out to the Israeli Mossad.
0: Absolutely. And and the, the money guys were people in the mega group like Les Wexner.
1: Exactly. These these really pro-Israel. has some explaining to do?
0: Oh yeah, Wexner. Wexner's up into his his like, neck in this stuff. What exactly
1: was his relationship with Epstein?
0: Yeah. Well, that, I heard they were boyfriends. Yeah. I heard the same that's thing. That's there. That's stuff. I heard the there. same thing. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just and, saying. And Wexner you know, has never said. He oh, said, "Oh, so, I regret my yeah. Association. Oh, I regret my <laughs> association. What the heck is that so supposed to mean? So does Bill Gates, mean, uh-huh. by the way, who met with him after he was a convicted mm-hmm. fucking that's right pedophile. I
1: you know, I don't know about funny, you guys, with,
0: but I wouldn't be photographed with a convicted sex, child sex no, offender no. no matter what. like You want to give me a million dollars? Fuck off. I'm not going to take <laughs> your million dollars. <laughs> Harvard should have told him to fuck off. Yeah, they th- should have. Uh, right away. Right yeah. away. When yeah. NBC called me,
1: um, I said, I happen to be in Bruce's office, and I said, well, why, why would you want to interview me? I, I don't know anything about Jelaine Maxwell other than what I've read in the Washington Post, the New York Times. And the producer said, oh, you've written extensively about pedophiles and the treatment of pedophiles in prison. We'd like to talk to you about pedophilia. And I said, oh, I'll definitely do that. You
0: could speak to that. Doing time like a spy.
1: Exactly. So that's what I did.
0: Yeah, we we, we comes went, out in June. We went. To, oh, I look forward to that. What's the book called? No, no, it's no, he, it's NBC a, interviewed him.
1: NBC four part documentary. Oh, really, that's going to be on the Peacock
0: network. Yeah, oh, nice. about Epstein yeah. and Ghislaine. We went to Ghislaine's house here in New Hampshire. No kidding. The day we saw the FBI's fucking suburban tire marks. Oh, we now it's about forty five minutes from where we live. Oh, we asked the neighbors, "Did you see anything? What what what's been going on?" They're like, "We had no idea there was even anyone up there." It was insane you know, There's
1: there's a house in my neighborhood just a couple blocks from my house And it's this beautiful um, Mission style four square Beautiful house And um, I admire it every time I walk past it And then one day I'm walking past it And there are all these police cars So I said hey what's up with the house And one of the cops said to me oh, It's Manafort's house we're seizing it today Oh <laughs> <Paul> Manafort <laughs> I had no idea you lived, lived in my neighborhood You live right
0: there Yeah <laughs> Manafort, what a goofball that <laughs> yeah. guy is! But he, he uh, wasn't allowed hair dye in prison. Yeah. No. poor guy. No, and his wasn't. He was g- in my prison, Laredo. Where you were Yeah, uh huh, Laredo, Laredo. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I, I don't know if you haven't touched on this, but you were a- yet, but you were able to identify who who was who when you went to prison. Oh and yeah. You were, and and what I said to Eric and Ricky before we had you on, I said those guys in that prison need, did not understand that John Kiriyaku was not in prison with them. They were in prison with him. I'll tell you what. Wh- and one you of talk the talk about in your book when your CIA training kicks. Oh yeah. In, you're like they have no fucking idea what's about to hit them. Nope. And, and and the way you talk about how you were like, you identified this. Okay, this is part of this family. He's yes. part of this gang. He's okay. a okay. shot caller. Here, here, here are the here yes. are the chom- here are the chomos here are the child molesters. Yep. Here's the fucking Italians. Here's the fucking blacks. The Aryan here's the Brotherhood. Black- yeah, the
1: Aryan Brotherhood. You yeah. You, yeah. you
0: you were able to just fucking from the very have a first map, day. And you and you. And That's I was able to I was able to pit the for 20 each other. months T- or no, 23 23 months. 23
1: months. The Italians adopted me relatively quickly. Um, it w- they were mostly gambinos and Bananos, but the uh, petriarchas were there too and I became especially friendly with them. But um, uh, yeah, yeah, there were a couple you, you, times. You psyoped
0: a lot of those dudes in there, man. Oh, like, every dude, day just man. just your letters and I I, I, I read the red book, man. I'm like the balls, the balls. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I figured it's you had either, to go. Do, I had to. Right, it's either you, them or me, and it's exactly, not going to be me. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, there was there was some. There were some questions among the Aryans if I was the real deal, and finally, one of these lunkheads walked up to me in the yard, and he says, "Is it true that you were a hitman for the CIA?" And I had prepared for this question. I knew it was coming. Yeah. Practiced, and I go, "Listen, it was wartime, and we all did things we weren't proud of." I didn't say yes. I didn't yeah. say no. They were like, "We love you." Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, you can sit with the Aryans in the cafeteria. It's like, yeah, I'll get right on that.
0: Talk about navigating, you know, oh, ghouls, yeah. just yeah. the goals of the it's earth. It's just like high school. It's like it's yeah. like a high. It's like a yeah, high school on steroids. But instead of shanks, a fight, shanks and but, but fucking instead ooch. of a fist
1: fight <clears throat> after after school, it's you know, it, it's somebody's gonna get killed yeah. yeah
0: and 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 the admins right like that i don't know if it was the the warden or the, they were fucking with you too man i mean constantly you, you were like your mail your your oh, yeah. your 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 dispatches to the outside world because you were writing and blogging and, yeah. and you had a lot of mail coming into you during that time a and lot i answered
1: we- i answered seven thousand letters in the 23 months that i was there from 675 different people
0: Wow, I mean, yeah. that, that, I'm sure that that probably helped passing the time. Right? It did very that much correspondence,
1: and I wrote that book in longhand, right? Because there are no computers or anything. There are no right. typewriters. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I I needed to, from the get go, set, like set a schedule, you're like Vincent Bugliosi. Yeah, right, oh, uh-huh. on a legal, legal pads. pads. Yeah, legal but, pad. but what these bastards would do, these guards, is they would they uh, fucked with you. Yeah, they would shake me down, and they would take my my drafts, what I'd written, and they would tear it up in front of me. And yeah. so I'd have to start back at the beginning again. So what I started doing was every time I'd finish a chapter, I would send it to my attorney in legal mail, which they were not attorney, allowed to. Private uh, yeah, private communications. Privilege, yeah. Right. Client And privilege. so she would just hold the book for me. But then as a result... I couldn't remember did I already write about this? Mm. I can't remember if I so I would but
0: You had a target on your back too as oh, someone yeah. who had notoriety in in the media. Yes, so yes. you already they're like, "Oh, we got this guy." In coming. fact, I did a freedom
1: I did a Freedom of Information Act request on myself when I got there. Even though I'm I'm forbidden by the terms of my sentence to of, to do a Freedom of Information Act request, I thought, "Well, let them come after me. What, what are they going to do?" What's it? So, sure enough, about 6 weeks later, I get this package in the mail, most of it was junk. It was my visitors list, my medical records. But then there were there were like eight pages that were clearly stamped in ink at the top and bottom. Um, FOIA exempt, do not release to inmate. So either somebody was like a mental retardation case in the FOIA office, or they felt bad for me and just sent it. They let it through. So it was stuff like, there was one sheet in big block letters. And it said, caution, inmate has access to the media. And then there was another one. It was a memo from the warden to all staff dealing with Kiriaku. Kiriaku has access to CNN and NPR and Fox and multiple other outlets. He's you the know? Andy
0: Dufresne. You, you were the Andy yeah, Dufresne. Yeah, I, I kind of was you, know, the Andy you Dufresne. You could get all of them, reading really, Hayworth. Yeah. <laughs> you got all of them. They, you know, that was... yeah. Wow man, that's that's Yeah, quite. I wanted to ask about visitations. So did what kind of people came to visit you? Uh, just family. My and wife friends? and kids came every yeah.
1: um, every month. Uh the archbishop of the Greek Orthodox Church came to visit me, like with his staff and his yeah. big he black hole. He had the whole nine yards, yeah. Um a lot of former CIA colleagues, Ray McGovern, uh, Ed Snowden's dad came a couple of times, cool. which wow. was nice. Again. McGovern's
0: a righteous, beautiful uh, man. I've, ha- I've had the honor brother. of meeting Ray McGovern. Uh, he's a I met a him brother. once in my life. Eric, you spent a day with him. A wonderful, genuine, He's growing his beard con- in in solidarity yes. with with, with uh, Julian Assange. Yes. He's he's yeah. battled cancer and he's in his 80s and
1: he's still yeah. going. And taking care of his wife is. Really Are you part of VIP a veterans? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep.
0: Beautiful.
1: Yeah. And uh, who else came? Uh, lots and lots of journalists. Uh, J- Jake Tapper came one Amy day. Amy Goodman? Um, Amy didn't come to visit. Uh, Kevin Gastala came from Shadowproof a couple times. Everybody from the Greek media came. Everybody. Yeah. And it drove them crazy. It drove the administrators crazy because I would do the interviews in Greek. And they're like, we can't understand you. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, that's kind of the point. <laughs> Jake
0: Tappert from CNN showed up? Jake
1: did me a solid. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Man, yeah. What st- I mean. He said, what's the hardest part of being here? I said, dealing with these morons all the time. And I pointed at the assistant warden.
0: <laughs> these knuckleheads.
1: Yeah. And then I got called the lieutenant's office one time because I called him. I called one of the guards. Uh, what did I call him? A maroon. You know, like from the Bugs Bunny cartoons? What a maroon. What a maroon. Maroon. And he goes, am I a fucking maroon? This was the lieutenant. I go, I don't know. Maybe you are. Maybe you aren't. I don't know you well enough. And he goes, can I talk to you man to man, which is code for I'm going to swear at you and I don't want you to report me. Right. And I said, have at it. And I gave it right back to him. So. I wasn't intimidated by those dopes.
0: No, and that's what the book, what I got from your book. I, I I didn't. I, I felt like your voice coming through, man. Your, your fire, your energy, your, your, your anger, your fucking passion. That came through in that book. Thank you. And, and um, you know,
1: much to my surprise, I that that book, like I say, I wrote it longhand. I ended up repeating myself over and over. It's raw. It's very raw. I I won two literary awards for that. Really? I won the pet. (laughs)
0: Ricky's (laughs) just started. Ricky's about. Is into it a little I bit. hope you
1: like it. I, I won the Penn First Amendment Award, which is which is one of the big four with the Pulitzer. What, the Penn Award? Yeah. There's the Penn Faulkner, the Penn First Amendment, wow. the Pulitzer, yeah. and the Edgar Allan Poe. I won the Penn First Amendment, and then I won the Forward Reviews Memoir of the Year, wow. which kind of was a shock. That's awesome. It well, one fun. of the last
0: events you did, I think, before you went in down in D.C., was it Politics and Prose, or, or you were... You, code Pink. You were at a bookstore or something. Yeah. My friend saw you it was before at, you were uh, going in.
1: It, not Politics and Prose. That was earlier. It was Busboys uh, Bus and, Boys Boys and, Boys and, Boys and Poets. Busboys and, Bus and
0: Poets. Right. My friend saw you at that. That was a fun event. Code man, Pink did it. I mean, it. Code Pink, yeah. We need yeah, more of that. I mean, you know, we need more whistleblowers, okay? And, and the thing is, there's yeah, so much we fear do. of being a quote unquote whistleblower. Yeah. And they're like, somebody would have talked if they were doing something wrong. Somebody. It's like people no. try to talk. No. They try to go through the right channels. Scott You can't fucking go through the right channels. You can't.
1: Scott Shane at the New York Times. Said on the day of my arrest, literally every one of the New York Times national security sources went silent. And that was exactly what the point doesn't was. doesn't surprised me. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, the New York Times, I mean, they, they've been bought and paid for by the CIAs before. Uh, uh, not as bad as burnt- The
1: Intercept. Yeah, you, I think the Intercept is a division so, of the so FBI. Glenn,
0: so Greenwald, so he left. Greenwald left the Intercept. Yeah, he's so, substack now. Do so you think Greenwald's kind of cocked, or do you think he? he Green, you know, Greenwald and I went to college together. I, we were
1: both members of the George Washington University College Democrats. He was a freshman; I was a senior. I was the okay, president yeah, of the College Democrats. Yeah. And um, he was always kind of a go-getter, but he's become this like self-righteous douche
0: doesn't he still have some snowden documents that he hasn't yes to, yeah
1: yes and the thing about him too it's glenn acts like he's this champion of transparency and he's not he's a champion of glenn he's a champion of glenn getting rich as a journalist he lives
0: as a free man in some other country in brazil right with his
1: husband right and you see him on on fox now he's like practically on his knees begging fox to give him his own show that's what this is all about that's why he left the Intercept.
0: Yeah. Well, it sounds like the Intercept. They, they. I mean, they, they, they would like, do anything I, for I, a story. I mean, they, I'm not they, kidding. Like, but it's, it's, it's like it's, they work for the it's FBI. Yeah. Yeah. And Bernstein, uh, almost 45 years ago, when he left the Washington Post, had that Rolling Stone article where he yeah. talked about Operation uh, Mockingbird. Mockingbird. And, I mean, that was almost. Forty-five years ago, what's it like now? It's it's just
1: as bad now. I mean, I'll I'll give you as an example, Ken Delanian from NBC and MSNBC, Jason Leopold from BuzzFeed, who's the king of the Freedom of Information Act. He sent a FOIA request to the CIA asking for all email communication between the CIA's Office of Public Affairs and any American journalist, and so they gave him thousands of pages of emails. Well, in those documents was a, a series of emails between Ken Delanian of NBC, formerly of the Los Angeles Times and the CIA, where Ken was sending the CIA his articles hmm. before sending them to his own editor saying, is this OK? Do you guys like this? Should I change any of this? Just give me the word and I'll send yeah. it to my editor. Well, that's not journalism. No,
0: no. no. And, and it was it's it was propaganda. Not just the New York Times, it was it was CBS. It was uh, it's all you of know, them. Exactly. And, it's and, all of them. And, you know, look, I, 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 I will listen to what they say, like, I'm, I'm serving my country, I'm doing my country solid by being in another country Yeah. As, a, as someone who has ears and eyes on the ground, just reporting on some basic stuff. But but what you were just talking about is really what it is, what it's become. It's, yeah. it's become literal propaganda. You, don't, propagan- need, it's you not, don't need
1: Operation Mockingbird. You don't need to pay them anymore. No, They'll just no, do it.
0: They don't even, Exactly. They're willingly. They, they're like offering it. Mm-hmm. They don't even want to be paid. Exactly. uh, Yeah, and that's, I mean, the uh, the New York Times has never apologized or accounted for Judith Miller's articles for the lies about the WMDs. Nope. And now what just came out, I I, I think you've commented on this, the stuff with the Russians targeting. Right. That's all bullshit. It's all a lie. An unnamed CIA source. Oh, the bounty hunter stuff? The bounty hunter Yeah, I talked about this on my own
1: show today. I think this was the result of something called a walk-in. A walk-in is somebody who literally walks in off the street into an American embassy and says, I have intelligence that I want to give to the CIA. 99.5% of the time, it's bullshit. Right. Okay? Yeah. It's somebody wants $100 or whatever. Just something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, since the 9-11 attacks, the CIA has produced this stupid... Product called the threat matrix and they take literally every possible Conceivable threat and put it on the matrix
0: every little morsel that comes, and in. it's
1: it's just raw intelligence It's not been vetted right. by any analysts, right. so you could walk in to the American Embassy in Rome and say um, I've got a nuclear bomb in my apartment, and I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it back here, and I'm gonna blow everybody up so they're gonna say uh, this guy walked in and said he had a nuclear bomb and then they send it to the White House and that becomes, oh, my God, there's going to be a nuclear attack on the American embassy in Rome. Right. Well, no, there's not because this guy was you know, drunk or high or insane or whatever, whatever or the Iranians told him to do it or whatever. There's no vetting of the information. That's what this Russia bounty bullshit information was. It was just unvetted, raw intelligence. There was never any truth to it. Nobody bothered to to check it out or to polygraph the source or to try to get another source to confirm it or deny it. They just ran with they it.
0: They totally ran with it because mm-hmm. and, 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 it made Trump look bad. Sure. And look, look, we're, we're not it's sure not about defending Trump. No, it's about what's the truth. What, what's the actual real story with this stuff? Exactly. Because the, 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 the whole Russia narrative, the Russia collusion, like, look, I mean, I and, and we were talking about this at dinner, like, Craig Unger's done some great research on American Compromont, his mm-hmm. book, about how they saw Trump as a potential, he's this flashy guy, he's a New York businessman, real estate mogul, he's got a lot of money. Maybe we should kind of look at this guy. And, this, of course, they're going to look at him. I yeah. mean, you know, he goes into a, a, uh, a an electronics store to purchase 100 TVs for one of his hotels. Right. They're like, this guy's got some money. He's got some panache. Right. Let's open up a fucking file on him, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of as benign as that might be. That's kind of where it seems like where that began. Mm-hmm. So it's not like he's just this, like, collaborator with Putin. No. Like, outright, like... You know, that's a narrative that they were trying to sell the whole four years that they were in there. Meanwhile, they're not going after him for
1: his actual crimes. That's right. And then you have the likes of Rachel Maddow, who is just happy to repeat it over and over and over and over. She's the worst. She's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. John Kiriakou, who styles himself a whistleblower. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then they have the nerve to call and say, oh, Rachel, would love to have you on the show. I said, I wouldn't go on her show if it was the only show. So good. John, where, where are we in Styles 2021
0: where Fox himself. News is, is the one? Are the How, ones how are, insane is this? No, I, I never thought I would say that. I never thought I would say that. But
1: hey, you know, let me tell you one <laughs> last story. <laughs> it's Great
0: to have you on, John.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I get a call to go on the Ari Melber show. OK, right. Uh, it's going to be Daniel Ellsberg and me, and I love Dan. Oh, I, I had my, the pleasure my of meeting Ellsberg. The OG, ones. right there. Love, yeah, love, man, love Zero the guy. With, with the it was his ninetieth birthday uh, last week. Yeah, yeah. No, happy birthday. Yeah, he's a wonderful, wonderful man. hero, Bonafide fide American hero. Legit. So they said we're going to record uh, for about thirty minutes, and then we're going to edit it down to uh, to j- a couple of minutes, and we're going to talk about the Espionage Act. I said, great. So they said, well, how do you want to be identified? I said, either former CIA officer or former CIA counterterrorism officer. So um, we go on the show and uh, and they taped it for the next day. So Ari Melber says we're joined uh, from San Francisco, California by Daniel Ellsberg, et cetera, et cetera. And from John Kiriakou, a former CIA officer and a convicted criminal. He says, and I go, motherfucker, and I tore off my my microphone. And he's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, what happened? What's happening? And I said, motherfucker, I said we agreed I was going to be CIA officer or CIA whistleblower, convicted criminal. Yeah. So I I stood up and Dan's laughing, laughing. <laughs> he loved it. I said, Dan, I'm not going to stand for this shit. And the producer runs in from uh, from off stage. And he's like, I'm so sorry. It was a mix up in communications. And I said, don't ever, ever treat me like that again.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: So I ended up redoing it. They ended up using like 30 seconds worth of the film. And it was former CIA officer John Kiriakou. But I flipped out on this guy. And at the end of it, I said, don't ever call me back. I told Ari Melber.
0: It's narratives. It's it narr- is. It's narratives, John. It's narratives. I will and
1: not go on MSNBC. I don't which blame Which is you. funny because I used to watch an MSNBC exclusively. I liked Oberman.
0: I liked Oberman when I was Keith uh, Oberman. He m-
1: and I got into a major fight. I
0: liked Oberman. Our young. last
1: words to each other were, fuck you, Oberman. Fuck, fuck
0: you, Carriaco. There's a lot of people who love to well, say that to Oberman. Jesse Ventura was on MSNBC. Oh, he was on my show the day before they yesterday. They bought my silence, John. Yeah. They said they brought me up. They said, Jesse. I said, yeah. You can say anything you want. Are you against the Iraq war? I said, yeah. I said, okay, you're not going on there, but we're going to pay you. Yes. That's what he told me. That's exactly what happened. That's it. I mean, that's it. And they did the same thing to Phil Donahue
1: and to Brian Becker. Yes.
0: You know what I love, too? One last, I don't know, we're on a time thing, but John, you were at something recently, and this is something that I, when I was in late high school, early college, when they were like, oh, we had no idea. 70% of the country was for the Iraq War. They had weapons. Night Ritter had the fucking balls. Yeah. They had the tenacity. They had the facts to challenge the narrative. Yes, they did. About the Iraq War. When I was a 16-year-old they kid in high wavered. school, I was reading Night Ritter. See? I was reading Night Ritter, and I was like, the Iraq War is wrong. I'm mm-hmm. against the Iraq War. I got That's called right. every name you could imagine. I, I, I've, been, I've been playing music for 20 years of my life. I use my band to rally against the Iraq War. Good. With the information from Knight Ritter. And you just did something recently they finally acknowledged them as Yes, the one media source that told the fucking truth about yes, the Iraq war four, when it fucking mattered.
1: That's right. Four journalists from Knight Ritter and um, the actor and director, Rob Reiner, were given the Defenders of Liberty Award by, uh, by a, a quite a conservative-slash-libertarian group in Washington called uh, the Committee... F- what the, what's the name of it? I can't remember their name. Co- uh, yeah, called the Committee for the Republic.
0: Okay, so they're like a right-leaning... Or, yeah, yeah, a right-leaning well, libertarian they're group.
1: anti-war. Oh, were they An- anti-war? War. You know, the, uh, uh, Bruce Fine, C. Boyden Gray, lawyer, yeah. John Henry. I don't know if you know John Henry. He's the seventh great-grandson of Patrick Henry. Oh, John's okay. a successful lawyer in Washington. So, yeah, they they honored every one of these Knight Ritter uh, journalists. You just never and hear and these about guys, that, John. And they took it on the chin in the industry. Yeah.
0: They took they got, it on the chin. They got chin. shut down. I they mean, did, got do, shut they, down, yes. They, they, see, all these other... Yes. CNN was so wrong. New York Times. Yep. Knowingly wrong. Promoted. Given money. Never apologized. That's it. Night Ritter. I'm. I'm so glad that you were part of that. Me too. Knight Ritter. It was good to meet those recognizing guys. Recognizing that they were actually reporting the real information and there was consequences for reporting the truth and the real information. Yes. But they they've been vindicated. And yes, finally. And that's not what it's about. It's about saving lives and it's about preventing these 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 um, you know catastrophes and these wars and 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 the death and destruction of people who don't deserve it mm-hmm. so indeed hopefully going forward you know um, we can prevent that but john I'm it's, sure been, hope a, it's so. been a pleasure having you on pleasure is mine so always much. good to see you guys yeah, five tell, years thank later you. man tell, thank tell you s- uh tell everyone john where they can find you and your
1: work and sure. uh, how they can support you sure i write a column for consortium news at consortiumnews.com uh i'm on john and facebook and twitter all the usual places
0: All the great bastions of free speech that we love, (laughs) big tech bastions of free speech. (laughs) But yeah, John, this has been fun, man. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Pleasure's mine. Thanks for coming on. And and thanks for listening, folks. And uh, it's quite a story. We appreciate you joining us. And uh, wherever you are, take care of yourself and have a great day.